Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode one of Nutanix Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Uh, I've got with me uh, Jariah Cox. Jariah, how's it going? Good, dude. How are you? I am uh, I'm doing all right. I'm uh, excited about this. This is my fourth podcast of the day. Monday is going to be my podcast day, but uh, I'm excited to get this one going. It's been a long time coming and looking to uh, work with you and a guy named Harvey Green, our consulting team. Um, to get some more um, some more Nutanix content out there and take some blogs from Nutanix and and use those to uh, educate more people on what you guys are up to. Very cool, man. Looking I, forward to it. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm checking out your uh, your your office there in the background. You got uh, you got uh, looks like the IKEA shelves thing going on in the background. Is that the actual IKEA ones? That, yep, the name name brand IKEA. Is that a thing? Yeah, those. Uh, those are the most useful shelves on the planet because you throw whatever little bin inside there you want and there's nothing you can't put in those things. They're pretty awesome. Oh yeah. They're replacing some bookshelves because I realized I don't want to see what I'm actually storing on them. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's a good idea. Well, so um, let's talk about what we're going to hear on this podcast. Um, people who listen to my other podcast know that we basically just take uh, simply blogs that we find interest in that, that I find interesting, you find interesting, Harvey finds interesting, and maybe even some of those that uh, listeners submit uh, off the Nutanix site, the blog site. And we just uh, go through those and, and hopefully, ideally, get the author of the blog to join us. And we try to talk through that and give, um, give the listeners a way to consume some of the blogs uh, in a different format. And we also kind of ad lib along the way and, and, and have some of our own conversations as it relates to the topic. Um, looking forward to doing that with you. What's your, uh, what's your background? Where did, how did you end up in, uh, in this, on this podcast with me? So I, uh, if you go back far enough, I, uh, worked at my local IT help desk in college, um, mm -hmm. then stayed in IT doing various, uh, junior help desk stuff, help desk stuff, eventually did the sysadmin thing, uh, you know, Windows servers, VMware servers, uh, Windows storage and, and as, little networking as I can get away with. And then okay. um, from there, got um, got my first big break uh, on the VMware team at uh, one of my uh, employers, which was a ton of fun. Learned a lot. Uh, got to go to a couple of VMworlds, uh, learned even more, and uh, switched over to a regional um, VMware partner. Did the professional services thing. Did a lot of, whole lot of uh, vSphere 4 to vSphere 5 upgrades. Mm -hmm. uh, all over the uh, most South Carolina, some North Carolina, and then uh, switched over there from the PS role over to the sales role because it turns out sales doesn't have an on-call component to it, <laughs> which was a big, uh, big change for me. And then, um, so then after doing some, um, doing being an SE there, switched over to being an SE here at Nutanix. So yeah, well that that sounds uh, like most journeys, uh, very much like my journey. Um, and you know, that's what I love about that story the most. And I'm going to go off into an aside here in a second, but what I love about that story the most is the, the background of actually doing right. A lot of people for better, for worse, uh, I'll say for worse, um, they show up in our realm that you're, you're in, that I'm in and they've never been a doer. And it really does change the way you approach things, the way you talk about things once you've been a doer along the way. And, and, and I love the fact that you came from uh, the help desk world that. I've got a 17, 18 year old son getting ready to go off to college and I can't wait till he gets out of school. Cause I'm going to slap him on a help desk somewhere and just make him stay there for a couple of years and learn the ropes around 
um, helping people on the fly and, and really becoming valuable to people and the customer service that goes with it. That's, that's invaluable experience. That and waiting tables, I think, are the two most, uh, most valuable things you can do to learn how to treat people. Such, such pressure cookers, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I, go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, I, I still occasionally, you know, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm having a really bad day, I wind up looking at exchange logs and my, I get some eyelid twitches, but, you know, still can do it. Yeah, you mentioned uh, exchange logs and just any kind of um, system logs. And then you mentioned networking a while ago. I'm going <clears throat> to tell a quick story. I, uh, I can relate probably 80% of what I've known from a technology perspective to taking my first technology class after college um, when I was, in, I was in like logistics sales or something. Well, I wasn't logistics sales. Um, but uh, my first class was an A-plus from CompTIA. You, you know yeah. what that is? Oh, yeah. So I um, had a college intern last year, the year before, and I actually bought him the A-plus book, and it must have been 1,300 pages. I don't know. It was, it was ominous. It was so big. Uh, and then for whatever reason, and this is really sad that this story even comes out of my mouth, but for whatever reason, this weekend, really early in the morning, like first thing in the morning, I woke up with the idea, hey, I need to, I need to get people in my company to go back and learn some of this A-plus stuff because you know, some of the basic routing and switching and submitting and super um, super masking or super setting and some of these basic things, you know, memory and BIOS and post and just basic computer stuff, right? There's so many people that these days don't know a lot of those things. Yeah. So I went out and looked and that this most amazing thing happened, which is really sad and silly. Um, it turns out the entire A plus course uh, you can watch on YouTube in five and a half hours now. <laughs> You don't have to read the book. You just you watch the whole course, and it's taught by a guy who really knows his stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be watching Netflix documentaries over the next few weeks or going back and watching that course, but uh, just a lot of value in some of those basic things. So going back to my comment to you, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do this with you, and it, it excites me to meet people that have had a lot of experience in the hands-on side of, of what we what we yeah. work going on a day-to-day basis. The, um, my A-plus at this point is so rusty. It was right after they switched from being one test to three tests. Mm-hmm. Um, you, had to do, you had to do like two out of three different tests to get your A-plus. Um, yeah, but, but you, remember, you remember it talking about the difference between token ring and, uh, and Ethernet, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got my uh, Greg Shields uh, taught me my CCNA, and, um, yeah. and that was some great content. And even back then, right, it was like, wow, is this still in the test? Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I, when I jumped into the video over the weekend, it was talking about uh, 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 barrel connectors, British naval connectors, uh, um, you know, coax cable, and I was like, that stuff still exists. It really does still exist. Um, but you don't normally touch that in your day to day world anymore. You've, you've you've probably made some poor choices if you still do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? And then it ties into what we're going to be talking about in this podcast when we start talking about things like hyperconverged and vSAN and, and using that topper rack uh, switch to make sure those ones and zeros land on one virtual environment to the other and get written properly. I mean, all that, all that stuff still applies. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, bits go in, bits go out. Yeah, and, and making sure that you're creating the right virtual networks on the right VLANs. And I mean, I don't, we may not get into a whole lot of that over the course of this podcast, but it, it does, it will come up. You never know. Um, yeah. So if I were to ask you, Jariah, name the top five things that you're excited about um, and you want to talk about on this podcast as it relates to Nutanix, what would you, what would you come back with? So probably a big one right at the top is, is automation and getting into automation more easily, right? Because that's how okay. we really help, help people, help our customers, help our admins 
you know, up their own individual value, right? How I do more with equal or less effort. Um, and I say getting into it more easily because automation is such a daunting topic, right? People feel like they're going to sit down and learn how to code and do all the kind of crazy stuff. And maybe for the high end, that's true, but there's so many easier, gentler on-ramps on to how do I just dip my toes into automation and make one thing in my life simpler at a time. Um, and when you mean automation, do you mean in the world of setting up uh, the Nutanix solutions or automation post setup where, you know, some of those uh, menial uh, admin type roles or admin type uh, processes get automated and, and you, the admin, never have to even touch it again? Probably mostly the the post setup stuff, right? The living with the technology, right? Because, you know, it's great to have a fast, easy setup process, but that happens like every, I don't know, a couple of years maybe. Um, something that, that happens, we call it, you know, day two and, out and on is what really actually affects, you know, you and your experience of running the technology over a period of time. Right. Is there any uh, clues to what, you're, what you mean there in terms of automation, things that you're excited about that you guys are automating? The, the biggest one, honestly, in my day-to-day meetings that, that is sort of a hidden gem that people don't know about and they love hearing about is um, we've basically hidden our own flavor of like, uh, if this, then that, if da, 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 inside of Prism Central. So you can just point and click and say, when this happens, do that, uh, or wait for Friday, change window, and then take an action, add memory, reboot a VM, and then email me and say you're done. And it's codeless automation. You haven't written a single thing. Now, is that limited to the Acropolis operating system and the Acropolis hypervisor or other hypervisors? Or is, that, uh, is there ability to use that orchestration beyond Nutanix? Yeah, it would run in Prism Central, our sort of centralized management uh, location, but it can run, it can affect anything, right? You can definitely do that for a vSphere cluster as well. Okay. What about other things that just happen to have APIs that could be, is there any limit to what you guys could eventually bring into that? No limit. In fact, you actually can talk to APIs today. So even for some of our stuff, there's some actions in Prism that you call in via an API to get done. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right, so that's one. What uh, what are the other four that you would spout off as being things you're excited that we're going to be able to cover in this this uh, podcast series? The uh, I do love the optionality that we're going to get into. I'm sure um, with uh, you know the next generation of freedom of choice being choose your public cloud to integrate and make a hybrid cloud with what you already have on-prem, right? It's always been our our decade-long thesis that, you know, hey, a lot of workloads run better and more cost-effectively on-prem, but there are some that are totally meant for the public cloud. And mm-hmm. being able to put them all in one uh, Nutanix bucket, whether that's on-prem or off-prem, and get that same ease of management, ease of migration between those is, very, is pretty exciting stuff. Well, so I'm going to take that one and tie it back to the first one. And, and I think and talk all the time about the idea that the edge or the data center or both, and then the cloud, those things could just be, um, you know, uh, stretches of each other. Uh, are, are you having customers where you're seeing them run workloads maybe on the edge at some point that then moves into the cloud and back and forth uh, through automation and other, require, uh, other criteria that makes that happen? Yeah, for sure. The flexibility definitely um always is there. And then we actually are just uh, launching a new um, kind of micro hardware form factor for robo sites, right? Because the software is the same, but the hardware has to be much smaller to run at the edge and hit the right kind of price targets. Um, Mm -hmm. So we have even smaller nodes coming out that are more of a fit for like, if you needed to buy 10,000 of these things to go in every store in the world, um, you know, they're more economical that way. Yeah. That that retail space, we, we hear a lot of edge conversations around hyperconvergence, um, enterprise class computing in, in retail locations. Uh, that's common. And, and you know, I, I was just in a, um, you ever heard of Bonobos? No. 
So Bonobos is the answer to my uh, shopping experience after all these years. Um, they're, they're online presence and you pretty much go online and, and pick out what you want, but you go in the store and you can either return stuff or you can try it on in the store. Then they order it the next day it shows up at your house. Um, but you know, no more sifting through racks and racks and racks trying to find a, a 32 waist and a 36 inseam. Uh, that's been, that's been horrible in my life, but, um, um, that kind of stuff gets simplified through the power of the cloud, through the power of shopping as a service. Uh, and the reason I bring that up is say, I literally just walked around the corner here in our Charlotte office and there's a Bonobos there and I walked in. And so I had a great human experience, which I, I was missing with the online piece. Um, but at the same time, I got the power of the online shopping experience, all that blend into, into one. Um, so that's, you know, cloud-based uh, shopping retail with an edge component, which I guarantee there's some type of uh, computers in the back of that store so that they can function when they're, you know, when they're offline as well. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. No, hundred percent. And those are, you know, they're running at the edge, but they're enterprise governed workloads. They need, you know, the same kind of security and some kind of monitoring and really ease of deployment, right? Like when we can get that store, that, that hundred, 10,000 and first store up and running, you know, in maybe an hour for the cluster and an hour for yeah. the workloads that run on it, you know, yeah. the value is really yeah. Yeah. So is, uh, is Nutanix cloud or is Nutanix edge or is Nutanix everything along the way between the two? Yeah, really, right. It's a big spectrum. And the cool thing is, right, the, the code that really makes it all run is really very portable, right? So whether you want petabytes of NAS in the data center, you would need gigabytes of NAS on the edge, uh, you know, RCVMs, same code really that runs, you know, kind of in the cloud of your choice. Right. All right. Give me one more thing you're excited about, and then I'll let you off the hook here. Um, the the third one would be um, probably uh, some pretty good hardware coming down the pipe, right? Which we don't make, of course, but but the cool thing is we let you stay attached to whatever you need for your workloads, right? So we're not, because we're not having to do that, you know, kind of co-engineering to say we need to ship better silicon to get better performance. It's like, oh, what has Intel already shipped? What's AMD coming out with? Um, right. You know, what's Intel got for storage around the corner that we can just plumb that, plumb that in, give you the better IO, give you the faster, you know, clock um, more throughput, whatever you need, you know, so we're not shackled to any one hardware architecture. Right. So, so uh, you, you may not answer, well, let me, yeah, you may not answer this, but uh, have you seen a product called HiveCell? Have you seen HiveCell? No. So HiveCell is these little plastic looking servers that have these interconnects on them when you just stack them on top of each other like Legos, uh, really good edge computing uh, type of solution that every time I talk to those guys, I ask if they're talking to Nutanix about integrating their their solution on top of yours. So you're looking it up right now? Yeah. The, that, I mean, just speaking personally, that'd be pretty interesting, right? Because we don't, um, the only thing that really makes or breaks the CVM, right, is that ability to pass through the disk yeah. controller, right? If that thing can get direct access to the disk controller, that's really our only engineering, like, hard and fast, in my opinion, requirement, mm -hmm. right? Because everything else, like the CVM is just a virtual machine. So if we can run a, CVM, a VM layer, that could be in business. Um, but we want to have direct access to the storage because we are, you know, writing the bits to every piece of storage, whether it's SSD or HDD or NVMe or all that stuff. Right. So be interesting to see if they um, could do that on their, on their hardware as well. I'm sure they could. One of the benefits of, so it's got these little interconnects where you just stack them up. You have one, one patch cable, one power plug that's running into the back of the bottom one you stack three or four on top of each other and then what they have that's unique is you, you if you took one off of that stack it's got a battery and it's got wi-fi inside it 
which the Wi-Fi piece may be the part where it would break down with the Acropolis operating system. I don't know, um, but it jumps on Wi-Fi. And so you literally can have it in your hands, totally freeform, and it's still running. And now all of a sudden <laughs> you, you, you stack them up again differently or you, you know, move it to the other side of the room and stack them back down. And it really, really cool converse concept and um, very much edge oriented. You, know, you throw it under the back desk at the, uh, the retail location and it just runs uh, mm-hmm. there and then forward stuff to the cloud as needed. But, well, that's good. I'm going to have a lot more conversations like this. I, I let's see you and I've been reaching out to people. We have any, uh, any specific uh, blogs coming up that we've already identified that, that we want to do. There's a uh, good stuff on clusters. There's good stuff on uh, TCO, like total cost of owning mechanics and, and, yep. you know, investing in your business. Well, um, and the clusters thing, let's talk about that real quick. So you guys are running, uh, uh, you guys have announced and you already have clusters running within Amazon's cloud, which is essentially just Amazon's servers running the Nutanix operating system on top of that, right? Right. And then you also have the announcement where you're doing that on top of uh, Azure as well. And that's yep. either coming or it already exists. Which one is it? Yeah, Azure's EA, GA next year. Okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you a real specific question on that because it's, uh, it's one top of mind for me. Sure. Um, uh, workloads um, in Azure, you get the entitlements of running the Microsoft license because you have the, it's part of the subscription there. <clears throat> in addition to that, uh, if you're a hyper-converged and VDI guy like me, um, Windows 10 multi-session is very top of mind for me. If I'm, you know, if I run um, Nutanix cluster on top of Azure, if I'm going to get multi-session Win 10 as uh, one of my entitlements there? You know, speaking as an entirely uninformed and not authoritative Microsoft licensing expert, it sure seems like you ought to, to me. Um, yeah. The, I mean, let me ask you a question, Andy. The, help me understand if I was making a decision between Windows 10 multi-session versus traditional Windows server, which is already multi-session, like what are my inputs to pick one or the other? Uh, really, it comes down to your application use cases and application supportability by the application vendor. If I've got application X and I go to the vendor and say, look, I've got three people leveraging it on Windows server, uh, they're going to look at me like, well, we don't support it on Windows Server. And I'm going to go, well, the kernel's the same. And like, I don't care. We don't support it on Windows Server. Like, okay, now it's running on Windows 10 with three users. And they're going to look at me and go, that's great. It's Windows 10. We don't support multi-session. I'm like, okay, I had two guys log out. Now tell me what you can't help me fix. Um, <laughs> it's, it. it's really about application vendor support. And, and it does, you know, you, you do always take the chance in multi-session of somebody stepping on the other, or maybe there's some security uh, crossover somewhere along the way. But, um, you know, those Azure, those cloud workloads, it's all about uh, consumption and trying to be as efficient as possible. So if I can just get three users on a single Windows 10 instance and not cause myself problems, then I've got three times the capacity uh, almost instantly or instantly. Really. Makes sense. So it could be an application friction reducer. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe uh, somewhere along the way, if you run into somebody has the answer to that, which probably means they work at Microsoft or um, know somebody that works at Microsoft, but I'm, I'm looking for that, uh, I'm looking for that answer along the way because I think that really is going to help uh, Nutanix on top of Azure. That's going to help that story a lot. Got it. Yeah. It's something, you know, hard to get hands-on experience with outside of playing with it in Azure. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and outside of Microsoft saying yay or nay, really. Mm. Um, but anyway, uh, okay. Well, uh, Jarrah, I appreciate you jumping on this one. I, I think we got a good start here. I'm, I'm looking forward to our, I think it's next week. It might be the week after that. I know we've got the holidays coming up, but I'm looking forward to doing this every week and we'll get uh We'll get a guest author, uh, whoever wrote the blog on, and if they don't show up, you and I will just read the blog and we'll talk about it and we'll be consistent about providing content out there. I think that's 
that's number one. We did a, um, a Citrix podcast today that uh, we didn't have an author signed up. So we just went online, found what we liked. We reviewed it and we just talked through it and we ended up filling up 55 minutes worth of talk. Um, and hopefully, you know, people will get a lot of, uh, get a lot out of that uh, content, uh, especially the fact that it's consistently coming out of us. And that's, you know, it's goal number one, be consistent. Yeah. That's in our, it's in our DNA, right? Be able to be able to fill up the meeting. Well, honestly, it's, uh, yeah, for, for technical guys, yeah, we can talk, talk, talk all day long. Um, at the same time, uh, you know, we just being consistent where we, we got to force ourselves not to take a week off just because we, you know, because we had a good excuse, um, to take a week off. It's it, people want content to be consistent. And we'll, I'll make that happen. That's if I'm nothing else, I'm consistent. Sounds good. Well, uh, before I let you go, anything uh, outside the realm of uh, Nutanix that you would want people to know about Jiraiya? Uh Something new to me this year that uh, is worth sharing. So uh, adventofcode.com. If you, if you are a coder, if you're a scripter, if you want uh, to be less rusty at being that, like I do, uh, they put up uh, some holiday-themed programming challenges every day in December. And they stay up forever. You can go back and do past years. You can take more than... 25 days to complete them. So a lot of fun. So check out adventofcode.com. Um, and, and it won't be hard to work through them faster than I am, but I'm having fun doing it. Yeah, that's, uh, that actually does sound like fun. Um, and, uh, the problem I have is time, right? Having the time to go do something like that. But if it's something you enjoy doing and you'd rather do that than watching the latest episode of the crown with your wife at night, which is what I end up doing, uh, or gets worse. Like, have you seen Southern charm? I have not seen something on the chart. I, m- most of my stuff outside of work tends to be sci-fi themed. So okay. right now is a great time of year because we've got new Discovery and new Mandalorian. If you want to just completely waste an hour or so of your life, just watch some of this stuff that's on uh, Hulu and Netflix around, um, I guess, uh, what, what do we call the, um, the real life drama stuff? The, uh, the reality, reality TV? TV. Sorry, yeah. I don't know what to call it anymore. It's, it's become such a natural part of TV is not even, it's just now TV. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, I guess that would be the one uh, joke I would make at myself is um, always looking for things to watch with my significant other. And um, sometimes that's just what it ends up being. And we just sit there and make fun of ourselves for sitting there watching, but we we can't turn it off. So there you go. That's pretty sad, but all right. Well, I appreciate you jumping on and um, good luck with the holidays. But I'll talk to you before now, before then, I think we will. I'm not even sure what the schedule is, but uh, we'll get these things going and, and uh, hopefully we'll provide some uh, additional resources for people to keep their Nutanix knowledge up to date while they're, while they're walking the dog or something. Yeah, man. Thanks, Andy. All right, man. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. You too.